Hallelujah. So we are talking about the seven pillars of wisdom. You will get tired of that because we have, I'll, I'll go through this time and I'll finish it. Usually I don't finish stuff like that. I start and I get tired. I left, I leave it. The seven pillars of wisdom. So today we're going to do the spirit of discretion. Discretions. Hallelujah. The spirit of discretion. You remember the scripture is in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 8, verse 12 to 14. That's where we find the seven pillars of wisdom. And I told you that the seven pillars of wisdom are the foundation upon which wisdom is built. And we can define wisdom as the, uh, the, the application, the right application of knowledge. So wisdom gives us a grace to apply knowledge in the right manner. So in the spirit of wisdom, there are seven pillars, and we have talked about the spirit of prudence, we've talked about the spirit of knowledge, and today we're going to tackle the spirit of discretion, and if we have time, we'll go to the spirit of the fear of the Lord, if we have time, otherwise we'll do it next time. The spirit of discretion, I want us to read again Proverbs chapter number 8, uh, from verse 12 to 14, so that we can remind ourselves of what we said. Proverbs chapter number 8, verse 12 to 14. While Verin is competing with us today. It's amazing. But I don't like it. Because I have to shout. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we want grace. In the name of Jesus. We are not against the rain. But we want grace. So that I won't have to shout. I give you praise, my Father. For I know you here. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go to Proverbs chapter number 8, verse 12 to 14. It says, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and evil way. Verse 14. And the, and the, pest, and the perverse mouth I hate. Let's go to verse 14 now. Counsel is mine, and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I am understanding. I have strength. Hallelujah. So these are the seven spirits that are located, the seven pillars. So I said we're going to do a spirit of discretion. What is discretion? Discretion is a quality of being reserved, quality of being reserved in speech. Hallelujah. Discretion is a quality of being reserved in speech, the ability to make responsible decisions. If you are writing down, discretion is a quality of being reserved in speech, the ability to make responsible decisions. That's the spirit of discretion. And one of the legs of wisdom is discretion. Those days where we have so many people that struggle with that spirit. Because they talk too much. Hallelujah. Some people talk too much. They can't stop themselves. We call it in French, let me translate it direct from French. We call it oral diarrhea. Just pause. 
Hallelujah. That in French, I just gave the direct translation of what the French say. It means somebody that cannot restrain his tongue. They talk where they are not invited. Hallelujah. I met a man one time, and in five minutes, I knew everything about him. I knew about his dog, how much the dog weighs. I knew about the plot he had. I knew about everything. Because when he stood in front of me, he felt compelled to tell me everything about his life because of his own ego and tried to compete with me while I'm not speaking. You know, people have that uh, insecurity in them where they feel that they need to prove. So if they wear something and you don't know the value, they tell you. Hallelujah. They even tell you the price of what they are wearing. Because they are insecure in their ways. Hallelujah. You know, people that talk too much make a lot of mistakes. These are people that need to apologize all the time. Because they talk too quickly. Hallelujah. Wisdom, one of the qualities of wisdom is to be able to be reserved. You know, I like Johannes. Very quiet man. When Johannes talks, you can listen. Hallelujah. Because he does not talk quickly. I've been with him for some time. But there are some people when they sit with me, they talk more than I talk. Sometimes I need to tell them I want to say something. <laughs> they don't give you a gap. Have you met people like that? That don't give you a gap to speak? Let's read the Bible. What the Bible says. Let's read some scriptures this morning. In the book of Proverbs chapter number 10, verse 19. Proverbs 10, 19. He said, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But who restrains his lips, lips is wise. Come on, look here, look here. Read it with me. One, two, three. So sin is not necessarily something you do. Sin is something you say. Hallelujah. We have confined sin into behaviors where sin is found in speech. Some people sin more with their mouths than they do with any other thing. You know, when you talk too much, you need to say things to entertain people. So you are lying also. Because you are out of stories and you need to create new ones for people to listen. So you say things that you are not supposed to say. So in the multitude of sin, of, of word, sin is not lacking. Let's go. Proverbs chapter number 17, verse 28. Proverbs 17, 28. He said, even a fool is counted wise when he's, he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, is considered perceptive. So it means that when somebody is not talking, you don't know if he's wise or he's a fool. Huh? If you take somebody that is foolish and he's sitting there, he's not talking, how do you know he's foolish? It's only when he opens his mouth. Then you can say, uh-huh. 
what is coming out here is not wisdom. This is foolishness. So silence is a way of keeping yourself out of trouble. I'm not saying you must be silent all your life. That's also the problem. You must know when to talk and when to keep some people don't know when to keep quiet. They know when to talk, but they don't know when to keep quiet. Listen, Jesus himself. Jesus, when he was arrested, there were times where he talked, there were times where he kept quiet. So discretion is that ability to tame your tongue. You see, the tongue of men is very important. The book of James tells us that the tongue is, a, is like the rider of a boat that spears the boat or directs the boat wherever the pilot wants the boat to go, of a rider. Listen, your tongue has been given to you, and I've said that many times. Your tongue has been given to you for, as an instrument to make the way. But you see, when you use your tongue anyhow, the supernatural does not recall or, let me say this, the supernatural does not register anymore because they don't know when you are lying when you are telling a joke or when you are serious. Listen, with your tongue, you can change everything in your life. No. Your tongue can make you or your tongue can destroy you. Hallelujah. The tongue is given to speak the word. I, I wrote about the abilities to create like God does. I have a, a thing about that. And I realize that in all creation, most of the time, the thing God wants done is spoke it. You know, you know the word abracadabra? Is it a mystical word? Abracadabra. Yeah. Huh? It's a magical word. Huh? But it's not necessary. It's an Aramaic. Yes. It's an Aramaic word. That they use. Because in Aramaic, Avra and, and, and Kabra mean different things. It means it's been done as it's spoken. That's what it means. So that's why we say Abracadabra and thing happened. It means it's been done as it is spoken. That's the meaning of Abracadabra. It's an Aramaic word. Ancient Aramaic. So, so, where do they take it from? They say God spoke and it was done. Abracadabra. I'm not saying go around Abracadabra. <laughs> but what I'm saying, because you can attract suspicion, but what I'm saying is that that word, that's what it means. It means the way it was spoken, that's the way it's done. So it means that God speaks things into being. So the Aramaic people say, God say, abracadabra. It's done as it's spoken. You are looking at me. You must research things. You must be curious and say, what does this mean? And you will see, it's ancient Aramaic. So your, your tongue is given to you by God. Hallelujah. I say your tongue is given to you by God. This tongue. What you see in your mouth there, huh, it's a powerful instrument. Why do you think Jesus healed those who were dumb and deaf? 
Because he knew that your tongue, not having a tongue, is something that restrains you in life. Hallelujah. You can be deaf, but you can sing. But if you are mute, you can't sing. All the singers, you can be blind and use your tongue. You can be deaf and use your tongue. But those who are mute, it's a big problem. They need to go into sign language. Hallelujah. So look at your tongue. God has given you this tongue as an instrument of creation. Oh my God, help me. Your tongue is an instrument of creation. Your tongue keeps your body healthy. You must know that. The Bible says a sweet word, a calm the man, and he say it's healing to your bones. So you need to understand that some of the things that you develop as, as a result of your bitter tongue, I'm not saying all of them, but some. There was a man that was always saying he would die when he's 40. He knew, he knows that. When he turned 40, he was shot. And they say, yo, this man knew he was going to die. No, he called it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know, it's not all the time people say, I know I'm going to die, and then they say it was a death. No, sometimes they called it without knowing it. Don't call things that you don't want. John, come here. Why did you come? Why did you come? No, why, why did you come here now? I called you. Okay. Kobe's come. Why did you come? Okay, why didn't you come? Okay, every time you call, that thing comes. You need to know that. Everything has a name in the spirit. When you call it, it shows up. And when it comes, you say, eh, why are you here? He said, you called me. Yes. So you need to understand that you are calling things. Not Sometimes the things are not physical, but you are still calling it. Because not everything that is not physical is inexistent. Even the things that are not physical are still existent. So you are, he called each star by name. And he calls the things that are not as if they were. So your word has the ability to call stuff. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. So if he comes and I say, listen, I don't need you anymore. You can go and sit. What did I do? I have canceled the call that I had. So when you are spoken thing and you realize you speak, you can cancel it. Come on now, you can cancel it still by using the word of God and speaking the right thing. Hallelujah. You go to the shop. They say, what do you want? I want a Coke. You call the Coke. Listen, the guy at the hotel will not go and take Fanta for you. He will go and call Coke because you spoke Coke into being. Hey. So, so you need to understand. The Bible says, let your word be few. Let me give you a revelation behind that. Don't speak something you don't know. So let your word follow your knowledge. And if your word follows your knowledge, your word will really be few. Because you, we don't know much. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why, let me tell you something about God. Many times, God speaks what he has put inside of you, not necessarily what you are doing. Huh? Yes. Yes. When he called Jeremiah, he said, I have ordained you to be a prophet. Don't you think that he knew that Jeremiah would resist the call? But he spoke. Hallelujah. He spoke the thing that he wants into Jeremiah. For those who are in marriage, don't speak what you don't want to. No, my husband is a lazy man. Okay. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He will be lazy his whole life. My wife is like a fighter. Oh, I don't want to be. Guess what? You are empowering the fighting spirit. You need to call the things that are not as if they were. Hallelujah. Listen, I elaborate about a principle in the prayer. I said, a blessing, blessing are words. Blessing are not things. Things are result, byproduct of blessing. When God wants to bless you, he says something about you. He said to Abraham, I will bless you and shall be a father to many. When he wanted to bless Abraham, he spoke word over Abraham. And that word is an empowerment. The same way that curses are not things that they enchantments. Enchantments are words that they say. But I mean to say, curse are not physical things. They put now a tail of a, don't, of, a, of a goat in your yard. What is that about? It's a tail of a boat, of a goat. You make it a big thing. That's why it works. Kick it out. Somebody put a chain. You know the leash of a dog, the chain. Put it in front of my door. Remember in my phone. And when we woke up, it was there. I pick it, I put it in the dustbin. I said, I'm not a dog. Why do you bring a leash here? No, you can see that and start to go all over the show. When you pay importance to the devil, it becomes powerful. Yes. But if you know who you are in Christ, ha <laughs> ha. You know what God has called you for. And you know what he has empowered you for. Who is who to say what? So curses are words. And curses mean to be empowered to fail. So when they say you are cursed, it means you are empowered to fail. Mean everything you do, you fail. It's, an, it's a curse. A curse is a word. Remember, when Balaam, called Bal, uh, when Balak called Balaam to come and curse the people in the book of Numbers, wasn't it just he wanted Balaam to say things over them? That was a curse. Say it. Jesus, with a fig tree, if you read uh, Mark 11, he said something. The disciple called it curse. So curses are words. Blessings are words. Amen? So when you, when you want to change something, you bless it. Yeah. If you want to change the life of somebody, you bless the person. You don't curse. 
You, see, you know what we do? We curse our children without knowing we are cursing them. When you say you, you will never change. You have boxed him under a curse. But when you say you are blessed, you have released a blessing upon his life. And wherever he goes, he will be blessed. Now, sometimes what we do is when we say there is a curse, we break the curse. In Jesus, I break it. I break it. How do you break curses like that? No, come on, come on. How do you break it? Do you think it's just, I break it, I break it. You know it's broken. That's why you live like that. Because you have broken it so many times, the thing is still happening. Because you are, I break, I break, yeah, I break, I break, I break. I take authority, I break, I, I, I turn over the curse. I, these are all nonsense things that we do in the kingdom. Because when they were cursing you, they didn't do that. They just released a word. So how can you reverse something by doing something that has nothing to do with it? So when you want to break a curse, you know what you do? You pronounce the blessing that, that was taken out and the curse was put. That's all you do. Hallelujah. You just pronounce the blessing according to the word. And then, sometimes when they say, I break it, I break it, I break it, they finish and they are gone home. And then when they sleep, the same snake is there. I break it. I cut your head off. I cut your tail. I cut your tummy. Next day, a bigger snake. Oh, Lord. No more. In the name of Jesus, I destroy this snake. When you sleep, an anaconda. Oh, Lord. Start with a small green snake. And the moment you do that, it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. Until one night, the snake swallows you. They have swallowed because you are doing it wrong. You know what happened? A curse, when it removes, the place remains vacant. And what you must do, you must fill the gap with a blessing. Otherwise, that curse still works. Hallelujah. So when they come to you and they say that uh, uh, I saw. I saw somebody with somebody. <laughs> or, or you take the phone of Habi and you look and you see. Mm. <laughs> now, my name is, what, which name? Woman name. Give me a name. Huh? CD. But the name I'm seeing here is not CD. It's my love another name. Give me another name. Huh? Parker. Martha. My love Martha. Ah! But I'm CD. No, this is Martha. There is something wrong here. Because I never called. Now we need to investigate. You wait for him. Come. What is this Martha in your phone? And then punch. Start to punch each other in the home because of Martha. You see, there is a way of confronting people. Hmm? So when you see Martha, you say, Lord, I thank you for you gave me to my husband, not Martha, to him. So in the name of Jesus, I pronounce the blessing that is stolen from me. I pronounce it upon myself. 
that this man will love me and treat me the way he treats Martha because I'm the one deserving this treatment. You speak it like that and you put it down. He comes home. You treat him well. And he's like, is there something wrong? No, there's nothing wrong. I'm being Martha in my own house. Because sometimes what the, the guy is looking for, you don't provide. Hey, yes. Or sometimes what the woman is looking for, the guy is not providing. So you know what you must do? You need to ask the Lord, what is lacking in this marriage? Give me grace to tap into it so that I may be able to reproduce what the other guy or the other woman is looking for outside so that I may skin that thing at home. My God. And we give it a while. And then one day, because if you tell me I was in your phone, you will get very angry. So one day you say, by the way, who is Martha? I say, what do you mean? That is Martha. No, no, I, 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 I heard something about Martha. Where is Martha? <laughs> he argues, you say, you know what? I'm praying for you. <laughs> you, I'm praying for you. The Lord will bless you and the Lord will cause his face to shine upon you. Leave it like that. Make, let God do your warfare. Come on now. Let God do the warfare. You step out of the warfare. Because you came into the situation not by warfare. You came by grace. So why do you want to end up by warfare? There's a lady. My wife used to tell me a testimony. Her husband was somebody that was drinking a lot. And then she committed to the Lord. Said to the Lord, please, do something. And then one day the husband was going to the tavern and a voice called him. He said, go back home. Frita, go back home. He ran crying home. <laughs> said to his wife, somebody called me. He said, I must come back home. But I didn't see the petrol so He said, yes, yeah, come back. <laughs> that was the last time he went there. Because she said to the Lord, you fight this battle. I'm not the one that is going to fight this battle. The battle is not mine, but the battle is the Lord. Listen, get wisdom. Because if you fight, you lose. Commit him to the Lord. Cook that guy well in prayer. Yes, pray over his pillows, over his blanket, over his suit. Pray over everything and say, I bless him in the name of Jesus. I call him forth into his destiny. That everything that takes him out, I reduce it to nothing for he's a blessed man. When you do that, you will see things changing. And when you get on your horses, he gets also in his black horse. Then at the end, you are in front of a lawyer. You know, it's always funny to me. People make invitations to marry, but when they divorce, they don't make those invitations. When they are marrying, they call all of us, come, Chloe, come, white gown. And the guy comes with a suit, shining suit, shining shoes. Do you marry them? What God, when they are divorcing, you hear it a year later. Oh, what happened? <laughs> that shows you it's not from God. Everything you have to hide to do is not from God. Hallelujah. 
Are you blessed? So, these are the things that word can do. Word can change many things. Don't call the wrong thing in your life. Call the will of God in your life. Hallelujah. Now, I want to jump on to the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Let's read Proverbs chapter number 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9, 10. Before I define the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter number 9, verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of? Do you understand it talks about beginning? So it means that without the fear of the Lord, there can't be wisdom. So what starts wisdom in your life? It's called the fear of the Lord. And we all say, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is defined as being in awe of God. Being in awe of God is immense and amazing nature. Being in awe of God is immense and amazing nature. His power in general. Hallelujah. Being, having a fear of the Lord is being in awe of, of the, the amazing, of the formidable nature of God. His power, hallelujah, have a respect for him. It's also fear of the Lord. And trusting him with all your heart, it's fear of the Lord. Amen? Now, Many people think they are in awe of God, but they are not. Because when you are in awe of something, you keep your eyes on it. Hallelujah. If now a light appears here when I'm preaching, you will not look at me anymore. You will all look at the light. Because it, you will be in awe of what is this. Especially if the light starts to take figures. Some will talk, fall under the anointing. Before even I speak. <laughs> Because of the, you are in awe of that light. So when you are in awe of God, your attention is captivated by the immense greatness and the beauty of the Lord. That's what we call the fear of the Lord. You are captivated by God. It means that everything you do revolves around him. Everything you say revolves around him. You don't have your life and God in your life. When I took Jesus in my life, I said, oh, he's so small. You took him in your life. That is an African's way of saying I received Jesus. I see many Africans that give testimony. When I took Jesus in my life, I don't know if it's an English problem or whatever, but it's not about taking Jesus in your life. No. No, no, no. It's not about taking Jesus in your life. Uh, can I say this? Because I work with all cultures, I know how the cultures talk. I know how different cultures talk. But taking Jesus in your life, wow! It's like... A bottle of water. Take it in my life. I don't know which Jesus are you talking about. I don't know which Christ are you talking about. You don't take Jesus in your life. You surrender to him. And when you talk about receiving him, the word is lambano. Lambano does not mean uh, to take him and put him inside of you. No, lambano means to grasp the revelation of him and receive that revelation. 
So, so Jesus is not to be taken. Because if you are not understanding that, you don't understand lordship. Because lordship means surrendering. Means to come to the place where you realize that he's everything for you. Hallelujah. When I found Jesus, was he lost? You were the one that was lost. I found Jesus. I found Jesus. You found him where? He finds you. Because you were lost. The Bible never said God was lost. He said we were lost in our day. We were dead. Hallelujah. Talk the right language. You have the right benefits. When I came to the revelation of God, Hallelujah. When I came in contact with the revelation of who God is, then I surrendered my life to him. And he took me in. He took me in his household. You see, if you have a revelation of who Jesus is in you, it's good, but it's half revelation. Because the revelation of who Jesus is in you will cause you to do powerful things. But the revelation of you in him will cause you to, uh, to be under his lordship. Because when you are in him, then you can't do anything except him. When he's in you, he moves in you to do miracles. But when you are in him, you are surrendering everything. So you talk like Paul. If I live, it's not me living anymore. It's Christ living in me. The fear of the Lord. What the generation has lost is the fear of the Lord. It's a fear of the Lord that we don't have that causes us to dress the way we dress. It's a fear of the Lord that we don't have that causes us to talk the way we talk. How can you say you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you and then you dress and everything is out? Which Jesus are you displaying? Your legs? Which Jesus? No one talk that you are too traditional. Huh? We are traditional. Where do you keep your money? Where is your money? In the bank. Why? It's precious. Anything precious is covered. No, you don't care what I'm saying. Anything precious is looked after. Anything precious is covered. What is not covered is not precious. When I get into your house, there are some jewelries. I will not see them in the dining room. Because there's a special box where they are. Because there's a price to it. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? Ah. The fear of the Lord has gone from this young generation. The fear of the Lord. The reason why we don't see what we have to see in the church is because the fear of the Lord has departed from us. It's not just girls. You see boys dressing up and everything is outside. The bed is so tight that in front is so tight. When we sit, we break the middle of the pen. The guy, the, the fight, so he walks like this because he's also, <laughs> he doesn't want to break it. What, is this, what are we doing to ourselves? 
We are Christian. We are Christian. Are we Christian? You go to the gym, not for your body. You go so that people can see your muscle. So you stay in church. If I say lift up hands, you are like this, like a, like a crab. <laughs> do it for the Lord. The Bible says, everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. That's the fear of God. So it's not wrong to go to the gym because you look after your body. But don't do it for the beach. November, everybody. Sir, when, sir, when they go to the gym, they take it out and they walk. What is this? What is it? Who cares about your chest? God is after your heart, not your chest. Are you Eliab or are you David? When Samuel went to anoint them, Eliab came. <laughs> and God said, I haven't chosen this one. He's too full of himself. Say, <laughs> so where is David? They said he was a reddish guy. He was not a big guy. He came, God said, this is the one. Not because he's small, but his heart is big. People have a small heart with a big body. You can impress women, you can impress men, but you will never impress God. Yes, 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 yes. You will never impress God with the way your body looks. God wants you to take after your body, but he doesn't want to worship, he doesn't want you to worship your body. Your body shouldn't be on the altar of worship. God should be on the altar. The fear of the Lord must come back to this generation. I want God to move, but we don't want it to move anyhow. A confusion in the church. They say worship, you are eating chappies. What is that? Who are you worshipping? And if you see somebody worshipping, who do you think? What is this? You are a loser. You are like Michal. Michal that judged David because David was worshipping. David had the fear of the Lord in his heart. His wife didn't have. He said, you have disgraced yourself before men. He said, no, I'm dancing in front of God that make me king instead of your father. The fear of the Lord must come back. I said, the fear of the Lord must come back in our midst. We need a generation of people that will stand up with the fear of the Lord in their heart. I don't need to be holy when my wife is, not, is there. When she's not there, that's the time where I need to show my holiness. Come on now. When she's not there, that's where I need to show that I'm a man of God. It's not when she's with me. Preachers, we magnify our wife in front of people. Oh, she's a queen, but you are looking at the worshippers. You sleep with the worshippers, but you are the queen. Which queen is that? And people are flocking in the church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Adulteress. The fear of the Lord need to come back. Say the fear of the Lord need to come back. It means that, it means that you must ask this to the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, can we wear this today? Say yes, then you put it on. No, I like it. It's my body. The Bible says it's not your body. Yes, yes. First Corinthians 6, you can read from verse 18. He said, don't you know that you are not your own? That your body is purchased by God. Therefore glorify God in your body. 
because your body was bought at a high price. It's my own body. It's not your body. Who told you it's your body? Hallelujah. Who told you it's your body? It's Jesus' body in you. You are quiet. They say, ah, this man is too traditional. I'm not traditional. I'm not traditional. No. I grew up knowing God. Hallelujah. And I know that there are some stuff. You cannot have the glory and have them. It doesn't work together. It can't work like that. You cannot take this ark and undress the ark. Voluntarily, not in worship. There are some sisters, you meet them in town, you realize, is that your sister? Yes. <laughs> is that the same? Then Sunday, holy, holy, who are you fooling? I say, who are you fooling? You're fooling yourself. Angels don't walk with you. To say, angels are walking with Christians, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. Read properly your Bible. Psalm 34, verse 7. Put it there. Psalm 34, verse 7. I'm finishing. Don't worry. Wena, you came to hear a message of grace. Now this is the message of grace. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. A generation that has no respect for anyone. Kosiam. Kalebo. Thank you. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who read it again. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Hey, a Christian that the fear of the Lord does not work with angels. Because angel, angels are ministering beings. They say they minister those who inherit salvation. But who are those who inherit salvation? Those with the fear of the Lord in their heart. Church does not make you Christian. My God. Sitting here does not make you Christian. Saying hallelujah does not make you Christian. What makes you Christian is surrendering your life to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And once you do that, once you do that, his life comes in you. And his life is lived through you. How do you know that a tree is such a tree? Because of a fruit. So Christianity is proven by the fruit you bear. I'm praying that may come to awakening. That's why they say 80% of people in South Africa are Christians. I say, who told you so? Lying, 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 lying spirits. We are not 80% Christian. No. Actually, we are fewer Christians in South Africa than what you think. We have a lot of churchgoers but we don't have a lot that follow Christ. Look at how Christ talks. Ha, huh, my dear, look at, he makes an invitation. He makes a big invitation. He says, come. He who wants to follow me must take up his cross. And daily, not the cross of Jesus, his cross. And follow me. Ha. Huh. But do you know where the cross leads you to? To Golgotha. So it's an invitation to death. It's not an invitation. He said, who wants to follow me must come so that we can die together. 
Because in ancient days, the cross was a picture of a coffin. So if you are to speak in nowadays, you will say, he who wants to follow me, let him take his coffin. So an invitation to death. He who wants to follow me must take up his cross. Now Christians don't want to take their cross. They are so relying on the cross of Jesus that they forgot their own crosses. We are not trained for war. That's why a bit of challenge we start to deny Christ. Uh, if God loves me, why, why, why? The love of God is not proven by what he gives you. The love of God is proven by the cross. So you could be going through hell and yet he loves you. You could be going through tough situations, yet he loves you. Because his love is not proven by what he can shower you with. His love is proven by what he did. The Bible says he demonstrated his love toward us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's the love of God manifested in Christ Jesus. Not otherwise. It's not the shoe he gives you. It's not the bag he gives you. It's not the car he gives you. These are elements that he, he beautifies you with. But that's not the main thing. I wear a jacket. I wear everything, but that's not me. Hallelujah. Actually, we hide many things with those jackets and suits. <laughs> the real you, you only knows who is who. Yes. Some of us, like me, we have one pack. But the suit makes it impossible for you to see it. Some people train so much, they have 12. It doesn't stop here, it goes everywhere. <laughs> Packs everywhere. I'm finishing. I'm finishing. God is calling his people to a place of awareness of his holiness. Because we serve a holy God. We are not serving a cheap God. Yes, holiness is a gift, but don't handle that gift with, with any how. Because the holiness of God has been imparted in you. Walk with the nature of holiness in you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't follow fashion. Full stop. Follow the Holy Ghost. I oh, yes. know oh, you didn't hear. You didn't hear yet. I said don't follow fashion. Follow the Holy Ghost. Yes, 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 yes. Don't follow money. Follow Christ. Oh, yes. Amen. The Bible didn't say money is coming. He said Jesus is coming. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. The fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm here to see a generation that will step into a place and the holiness of God will be in the place. Hallelujah. I'm here to see a generation that step and the floor even testify of who has stepped in there. Because God is at work, has work in them. They display God like never before. They represent God and present God in this generation like never before. They just greet you and you know somebody has greeted me. You walk next to them, you can feel the presence of God. This is the people I'm talking about. I'm not talking about church doers. I'm talking about people. Because there was a man in history. And the man of God talked about him. He said, I've never seen somebody like that. He said, you walk next to him. The closer you walk, the weaker you become. He said, your knees want to give in. He's just looking at you. And when he looks at you, Jesus is looking at you. And, and you come into such awareness of a presence. You know, when Jesus appeared in the island of Patmos, 
For, uh, Peter, uh, John said, I fell flat on my face like dead. Who is this Jesus appearing to you? And you have no fear of him. Who is appearing to you that does not lead you to an awareness of a greatness of a great I am? Who is appearing to you that does not lead you into the fear of the Lord? Who is appearing to you? I have more respect for a man that walks in a place and the place changes than a man that heals the sick. Because we want change. I say we want change. We want change. And this morning, God is saying the violent will take it by force. This morning, God is saying those who have a heart that can say, Lord, I know the way I've been living is not the way you want me to live. Give me grace, not by works, but live your life in me and through me. I am willing. I want to be a vessel. I want to be a vehicle through which you display your glory. That's what my cry is about. I want you more than I want everything else. I want you more than I want myself. I want to display you in this generation so much that people will talk about you, not about me. That people will say, we have met with God when we met with this man. We met God when we met him. We met the presence when we met him. These are the people we are looking for. Being the same everywhere you go. We have the tent and I laugh so much. People will come. Come, my dear. Let me use you today. When they come to church, in the parking lot, they walk like this. And the wife is behind then when they come to the tent, they stop. She, she come. Then they do. I say, who are you fooling? Who are you fooling? You cannot hold her in private. Don't hold her in public. If you cannot kiss her in private, don't kiss her in public. You are a fool. I learned another word. Kialebua. Kialibua. I learned this. No, it's not now only donkey. It's now Kialibua. Hey! You guys must teach me. Then I speak. Hallelujah! Treat your people the same way you treat them in public and in private. Yes. If I'm in public or not, I talk to my sons the way I talk to them at home. They know me. It's not about morals. It's about you. I can look at you and you know, mm -mm, this is a no-go. Some of you, you are so changing. We don't know who you are. In church, you are one person. Hallelujah. At home. In church. At home. Who, who are you? You don't even know who you are. You are confused. Be the same. Because God is faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we give a big hand to our Lord? It's good. It's good. This morning God is calling us. It's a time for you to surrender and rededicate our lives to God. If you know that you have been living anyhow. And you say, God, today, hey. I want to live with you and you in me and me in you. 
So I want to do great things for you, but I want you to, I want to surrender to your lordship. Hallelujah. Not, not just your blessings, but your lordship. He's the lord of our lives. He's the king of kings. Today we need to make a decision. I told you, when you want to put something on, ask the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, do you like this one? He will tell you. If you are honest, he will tell you. Hallelujah. Because you have a temple of the Holy Ghost. I say you have a temple of the Holy Ghost. So today, God is looking for a generation of people. Listen, God wants to pour his spirit over people, over all flesh. Hallelujah. Over all flesh. He wants to pour his spirit over all flesh. He said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So we are in the time of a great outpouring. But God is waiting for vessels uh, that have set themselves aside. The Bible says, in the house there are many vessels. Some are for honor and some are lesser honor. And he said, but if you purify yourself, uh, if you purify yourself, you know what happened? You can migrate from a vessel of clay to a vessel of gold. It, 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 the ability is in the house. So you can migrate from this to be a vessel of honor. God does not want to pick you as a vessel of honor. He wants you to position yourself as a vessel of honor. Amen. Because we are all vessels. But what kind of vessels are we? Hallelujah. This might, we must fix it. So I want to make an altar call. Today is a, term, is a time for vessels of honor. God wants to pour his fire. I say God wants to pour his fire. The spirit of the Lord wants to pour his fire on vessels of honor this morning. So that they can go and represent God. So that they can, they can reflect God. There was a man that went to a goldsmith, somebody that purifies gold, and, uh, or silver, and then he was putting it in the fire, and then he takes it out, he looks at it, and he put it, takes it, put it, and the guy said, what are you doing? He said, I'm purifying it. And then he took it out, I think seven times, he looked at it, and he said, it's ready. And the guy said, how do you know it's ready? He said, when I see my image in when I see my image in it, I know it's ready. So there are things that we go through, not because God wants to kill us, but there are some things that purify us from the things that are not necessary. So sometimes you go through the fire as Daniel's friends. The fire doesn't want to kill you. He wants to burn the drought out of yourself. And God has positioned each one for a time of purification in fire. If you like it or not, it will happen to you. There will be a time in your life where you will feel the presence of God, but it will take out all the dirt leaves in your life so that the master can see his image in you. And when he sees his image in you, he knows you are ready for the work that he has called you for do. He's, he's putting you at that place. That's why you are praying and the thing is not changing. It's not the devil. It's the master's hands. That is keeping you to a place where he can see himself in you. Where you react like him doesn't matter the pressure. For we do an offering, this is the altar call. If you are in this place and you say, Lord, burn in me things that are not. This is a dangerous prayer. It's not prayer for the, the Christian that just go to church for blessing, blessing, blessing. It's a prayer of Christians that go to church for, be, for God to mature his image in them. Put the offering first. 
If it's, so if you say, Lord, burn in me everything that is not of you, I want those courageous people to stand up. Not everybody, please. I want those who say, today, I say, God, burn in me things that are not of you. I, I, I don't know the cost. I might not know the cost, but I know I want a purification fire in my life. Burn the things that are not of you. Let's see, come and help me with the keyboard. Whoa. I want you to lift up your head. I want you to pray with me and say, Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus. here I stand. In your presence. The same way you touched John in the island of Patmos. Touch me this morning. I am tired of being the same. Today, I want to be a vessel of honor in your hand. Do whatever it takes, Lord. But make me the man and the woman after your heart. Like David was. I want to be a man and a woman after your heart. Now stand there. Father, I pray the fire of purification in the house. I pray the fire of purification in the house. I pray the fire of sanctification in the house play. I pray the fire of sanctification. I pray the fire of purification and sanctification. I want you to open your mouth and pray and say, Lord, the fire of purification and sanctification.